Hi, everyone. Welcome to this special edition of the Connected Families podcast. I'm Stacey Bellward, and I'm so glad you're joining us. This is the third in a five-part series for dads, although moms can listen in as well. Today, we're going to discuss the relationship between dads and their dads, even when those relationships weren't perfect. This special series is dedicated to the memory of James P. Jackson, the father of Connected Families co-founder Jim Jackson, who passed away late in 2019. So listen in as Connected Families co-founder Jim Jackson and close colleague and parent coach Chad Hange speak to this powerful relationship and ways we can grow to more deeply honor our own dads, even if they were far from perfect. Well, here we are, Chad, about to talk about what for me right now is a pretty raw subject. Yeah, pretty deep waters here. Yeah, due to the loss of my dad recently, I've been thinking a lot about dad stuff, but I'm, I'm really glad that at least I've been a perfect dad through it all. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Uh, on multiple occasions each day, none of us as dads are perfect. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know that. And as dads, we have this deep desire as Christian dads to point our kids by way of how we relate to them to the heart of their heavenly father. Mm -hmm. And we fall short time and time again, don't we? And in my relationship with dad, you know, dad was not as conscious of what it meant to be a good dad as I am or want to be. And early in my life, I explained a little bit in the last episode, my journey with dad, and it was a hard journey. Uh, It caused me to almost leave the father relationship for a while. Well, it did. I mean, I just kind of didn't want to be with him. He wasn't safe to be around Everything he did in my mind was wrong. I was on a, a mission trip as a young, just out of college student, and I had a mentor there who asked me one day, kind of noticing that there was some issues with my dad and how I talked about him, and he yeah. asked me one day, what do you appreciate about your dad? You have a lot of negative things to say about him, but what what do you appreciate wow. about him? So how did that land on you? I bristled right away. I was like, "What do you? haven't you been listening? There's nothing to appreciate about this mm-hmm. man. That's how I felt. Now, it wasn't mm-hmm. true at the time, and I've come to see that, but at the time, that's how I felt. Insightful question. You know, as a result of that, I had a lot of hurt, and dad did things to be sure that were hurtful. And in my tribute that he asked me to do at his funeral, I talked about how dad lived life at full speed. And sometimes when you live life at full speed, if the road curves and you need to slow down, you crash. (laughs) If you crash, you get hurt, others get hurt. And that kind of typified my dad a lot of times. You know, I've known you for quite a while and I've heard lots of your dad's stories and, you know, all sorts of just the passion that that he, when you talk about living life at full speed, those are the kinds of stories that I heard even at the funeral was such a powerful descriptors by the people who spoke about those things. And then the fact that he wanted you to do a tribute and your tribute... I just thought was really balanced, hmm. you know, because sometimes when I'm at a funeral, I hear about a person, I think they're going to be a saint at some point yeah. because you don't really hear the balanced perspective of yeah. what this person's life really was. And I just found that you're hmm. even wrestling around with that question, what do you like about your dad? Yeah. Kind of was the beginning of a journey that got you to a place of, of starting to maybe see him in a more balanced For way. sure it was. And, you know, I, I wrote a piece not long ago on the Connected Families site that spoke to to this relationship between yeah. dad and me, kind of as a tribute to our audience. And we'll, we'll include that in the show notes. But what I learned 
in writing that piece based on the enormous amount of feedback that we've gotten because of it is that there's a lot of folks out there who struggle with this dad relationship. And what I want to do in the rest of our show today is just kind of walk folks through my unique journey with that. Mm -hmm. But I think there's some general principles that can apply to all the relationships or to all people in their relationships with their dads, regardless of whether it went just like mine or not, in the hopes that healing can happen, in the hopes that God's grace can show up even later in life with dads and their dads, because that healing, it has implications. It has it has ripple effects, I'd say, even more than, I don't know, what does it mean when a rock is big enough that it creates waves? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a waves ripple effect. Yeah, it's right. a pretty big deal when we can dig in and resolve stuff with dads. So I, I'm guessing people are listening in there. I mean, I've heard dad say, I got nothing with my dad. It's fine. It's over. He doesn't have much to so offer got, me anymore. You've got nothing, like no issues, no yeah. wanting to be in relationship with them, or just, it's fine. Whatever has happened, yeah. it's water under the bridge kind of thing. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, is that what like you're saying? That. My observation of that is that it might feel like that's true, but that it's not. And yeah. that that any work that we can do to reflect on this father-son relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason that grown men who don't cry blubbered at the end of Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. when all that had to happen was the, <laughs> the mythical dad walks out of the cornfield and says to his yeah. son, have a catch? Yeah. It really strikes a, a chord of the... Yeah, I get goose, goosebumps right, again. Right. <laughs> and yeah. it was in Iowa, which is a bonus yeah, for you, exactly, being from Iowa. Exactly, so. Yeah, well, is this heaven? <laughs> no, it's Iowa. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so with this knowledge that the dad relationship really matters, I want to spend some time thinking together about how do we recognize that we got dad issues that maybe need some resolving or that could benefit from some resolution of some sort, whether that's, you know, some people have dads who've passed on like me and yep. who haven't thought about this yet. Are there questions that I could dig into and explore? In your work with dads, I know you've had some experience. And of course, I went through a process that I'd like to share just about the importance of getting under the surface. Yeah. So where do we start? You know, I I think for me, with my own dad, and I've had lots of conversations with him over the years, but there are conversations, if you think about him right now, you just think, I could never talk to my dad about that. That might be a good good Mm. starting point. Just asking the question, what are the things you could never talk to your dad about? Wow. Or what kinds of things, when I'm saying things to my kids— or my wife sound a lot like my dad and almost that vow that we made, I'll never... I'll never right. say that. I'll and never do that. I remember thinking that very thought when I was a young dad. I was yelling to get my way. I was being dominant and intimidating, and it worked. And yet, I didn't feel good about it, but I didn't know another way. And I went to Lynn, and I said, I, I sound just like my dad, don't mm, I? Wow. And I recognized it. And then I despised myself. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yep. And then I did it again. It's willpower. I'm just not and, going and, to do that anymore. And then I got madder and I thought, well, if I just try harder and pray more, mm-hmm. maybe this will go away. And mm-hmm. so I tried harder and prayed more and it still didn't go away. And wow. I kept acting this way that I didn't like and that was what I'd learned from mm-hmm. dad. Yeah. I think uh, you could ask a, a trusted friend, you could ask your spouse to be able to, to say, mm-hmm. hey, okay, it's a vulnerable question. We're talking about vulnerable kinds of things yeah. here, but if we're going to change the patterns that we find ourselves in that may even go back generations, there does need to be some level of vulnerability to say, mm-hmm. what are you seeing? Because yeah. I'm blind to some of my things here. Could you help give me some insight into to what's going on? And I also started to recognize some almost like voices in my head, mm-hmm. like dad's voice. And it took a while for me to recognize it was dad's voice. Yeah. Like they should obey me. And 
I'm always right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I didn't say that stuff out loud, but I felt it inside. Mm -hmm. And I had to look at that and realize, I came to realize, it wasn't instant, that this was stuff that was coming in my from my relationship with my dad. That's where I learned to think that way. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't constructive for me to think that way. So now what am I going to do about it? Right. And so what'd you do about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, as I explained, I think in the last episode a little bit, I ended up seeking the help of a therapist mm -hmm. who took me through a fairly lengthy and difficult process of looking at hard things and examining why I feel the way I do, some of those recurring thoughts that I have. And I want to come back after the break and talk about a process that the therapist took me through that really helped me get a hold of my own relationship with my dad. And in my case, go back to him and begin to restore and resolve and work through things so that by the end of his life, there was nothing that I couldn't talk to my dad about. Wow. Can you imagine being at that place? And you, it sounds like you can't imagine it, right? There's nothing yeah. I couldn't talk to my dad about. Yeah. Well, and I do want to qualify that a little bit because I'm still learning that there's stuff that I haven't figured out how to talk about, period. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. And so I'm still learning yeah. and growing at almost age 60 that there's stuff, that this family of origin stuff that I have in me and that we all have in us yeah. doesn't ever go away. It, yeah. it affects us and it lives with us into however long we live. One other thing that I would just say in terms of maybe a, a yellow flag of caution about mm -hmm. my dad is just asking the question, how do I talk about my dad? Mm. You know, how do I talk to other people about my there dad? How do I talk to my kids or my, my wife about my dad? It really starts to give a little bit of an insight into our hearts yeah. when we hear what's coming out of our mouths. Well, and in the Ten Commandments, we're told that we ought to honor our mothers and fathers. And that doesn't end when we leave home. That mm -hmm. doesn't ever end. What does it mean to honor our dads? What does it mean to honor our moms? And how can we do that better than we do it now? And that's what we're going to explore on the other side of the break. One of parents' biggest frustrations is not knowing how to respond when their kids misbehave. They want to teach good lessons and stop the bad behavior, but the efforts to do so often make matters worse as frustration and resentment grow between parents and their kids. Hi friends, we're Jim and Lynn Jackson. And over our decades of working with parents, we've found that there is a better way, not just to make the behavior stop, but to grow character and closeness right in the middle of misbehavior and discipline. We want to help you learn to use those messy conflicts to build skills, wisdom, and faith in your kids that will equip them for a lifetime. So we've made this course to be eight sessions. It's interactive, you'll dig in with other parents, and it's designed for parents who want more for their family than just quick fixes or behavior modification tricks. We're gonna teach you an easy to remember framework for parenting and tons of practical tools that will apply to any situation you can imagine with your kids, whether they're two or 12 or even 18 or more. Discipline That Connects runs twice a year. Registration is open in January and the course starts in February. You can find all of the information in our show notes or at connectedfamilies.org. I'm Stacey Bellward, the course moderator, and I hope you join me and hundreds of others as together we learn to connect deeper with our children. Well, we're back after the break. 
Yes, we are. And just to kind of do a little quick recap, we uh, talked before the break, uh, really answering the question, how do we know if there's an issue with our dads that we should be looking at? And we Mm -hmm. talked about maybe having a trusted mentor, maybe how we talk about our parents uh, or how we talk about our dad and what that looks like, the words that are coming out of us. You know, lots of things that we could consider in terms of do we have a dad issue. I I think we've come to the place where I think that most guys, I would almost say every guy has some sort (laughs) Of dad wound. Yeah, that's the given that I kind of want to go with here is that we've yeah. all got issues with our family of origin, especially with dads and that high-powered relationship, and it affects us. We want to spend our time in the second part really trying to unpack that a little bit. Okay, so we've got a dad wound. How can we get past our baggage with our dad? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Well, I know for me, I went through a process. You and talked about going through therapy uh, and seeking out help and a, a professional help as well. Yeah, and I don't lines. know that everybody needs professional yeah, help, although no. I would suggest, if you've ever wondered, that it's a good idea, I think, to get kind of a reset, to get some objective input into your life, to have people asking hard questions. We don't like, as, as men particularly, I don't want to stereotype too much, but my experience has been, for the most part, guys don't like to be asked hard, penetrating questions. They want to be expedient and, and keep moving. Just move on. Why would we need to even look at that stuff? But I was trapped between this this notion of just kind of wanting to sweep my difficulties under the rug and try harder to overcome them and the realization that I couldn't. Things were getting worse for me, not better. And the angst that I felt was being heightened in my late 20s. And so I saw a therapist and he helped me by asking kind of a series of questions and running me through a set of drills and assignments to journal. Oh, I like drills and I like questions and I like assignments. So uh, can you share a little bit about... So, yeah, there were really five prominent questions that I got asked to explore and talk about. And the first one was, and this is really what started years before when a mentor that I mentioned in a previous episode asked me, what do you appreciate about your dad? Crickets. So so the therapist, (laughs) exactly, the therapist asked me the same question and the same crickets that still lived. They were still there. Or never had come to life or whatever. They were quiet. There was nothing. And the question angered me a little bit. And so the therapist Mm. explored that with me and helped me to overcome the hump and to acknowledge that, well, I appreciated, okay, sure, fine. I appreciate that dad provided for us and that that I never had stress about whether I was going to eat or where my next meal was going to come from. But I dismissed it. Like, well, no, I appreciate that dad provided for Mm. us. I mean, the list for all of us can can be long, but for me, it started simple. I appreciated that dad provided for us, that he was faithful to my mother Mm. in spite of a lot of ugliness in that relationship in my early days that I observed. I also was able to reflect on the fact that that ugliness didn't define them. There Mm. was a lot of love and there was a lot of of affection that I kind of missed in the name of my own anger and blindedness to this. He was fairly predictable, even sometimes in not so pleasant ways, but I appreciated that about my dad. And there were times when he was endeared toward us in special little ways. He used to sing songs to to us as a youngster and put our names in some big hit song Uh, so that the hit song of the day had our names in it, the children's names. It was about me. And (laughs) for years, I never thought about that. And this line of questioning about what do I appreciate about my dad helped Mm. me to start to name one by one by one. And the list became pretty long. Mm. And as I looked at it, I was a little bit overwhelmed by it as I let that list sink in. Like, gosh, Dad wasn't as bad as I thought he was all along. A little softening, maybe. I started to soften, which made me ready in a softened state for the next question, which was, what did Dad miss? Another way that I've had a therapist in later years ask me that question is, if your dad had been the ideal dad, what would he have done that he didn't do? Mm -hmm. Wow. 
you know, that has me starting to imagine a bunch of scenarios that A, are painful to think about, but B, it's like, gosh, if dad had acted in ideal ways, that would have really been something for me. But because I had done the work of appreciating dad for what he'd done, and I started to recognize dad wanted to do good by us, he just mm-hmm. didn't know how. Yeah. Then when I recognized that he missed some things, I realized if he had known how to do these things, he probably would have worked at doing them. And you were starting with, what did he miss? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of backing up to, yeah. what did he do well? Yeah. Wow. And yeah. so now you're able to come at that with a little different perspective. Yeah. And it sounds like you're kind of getting set up in some ways to have a conversation. <laughs> well, with, and that was with your dad. It's good insight, Mr. Yeah. Therapist, yeah. because the second part of that question, what did he miss, was how do you want to tell him? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? I have to tell him this stuff? <laughs> right. I was going to say that. <laughs> do you want to tell him would have been the question I would have wanted to answer. No, I don't. And but I didn't really. How do you want but to? But I think the therapist intuitively knew based on hearing what I was saying about my dad and my relationship with him was that that our relationship could bear that. Like, therapist never said this to me, but what I'm imagining is therapist put himself in dad's shoes. It's like dad would want to have this conversation, even though it's hard. Mm. And it turns out he did. Mm. So after a while, the therapist prepared me to go to dad and talk about the hard things, the things that got missed or the things that were hurtful. Not as a way of saying you hurt me, but as a way of saying, dad, there were some things that I know you would have done differently if you'd have known how, but what you did hurt me. And here's what it was. And I want you to know and, and here's where, you know, this question took me into the process that I have come to a place where I can forgive you for that. doesn't mean I trust you necessarily with right. my soul and I'm not going to put myself, I'm going to create boundaries, but, but I can forgive you. And that really came out of the question, what did he miss? And how do I want to talk to him about that? There was another question that was even a little bit deeper and, and harder to get a hold of, which was, what am I still holding against him? What are my judgments? And you mentioned in your recap about, or even before the break, about listening to the things we say about our dad mm-hmm. when dad isn't around. Mm-hmm. And how we talk to other and people how do we, about And how him. we talk to other people about dad. And I recognized how I talked to other people about my dad was dishonoring, that I had a judgment about my dad that was dishonorable toward him. I was dis- disobedient to God's commandment to me to honor my father in the Lord. How do you think that judgment or that resentment impacted then your pursuit of your dad or your even the view that you had of your dad? Did it skew it any way? Well, I think over time what evolved, and I I can't pinpoint exactly where or how this happened, but what what evolved was is that I moved from a place of being angry at dad, resentful toward dad, bitter about what he did that he shouldn't have done or didn't do that he should have done. And I got to a place where I had compassion on my father for doing the best he knew how to do. What a shift. And that didn't happen instantly, but it happened by the process of digging into these questions. And I think in this question, what do I hold against my dad? I mean, I could go down a whole list of very specific sorts of occurrences and occasions and things that happened that I interpreted in a certain sort of a way, and I got hurt by them. I only saw my perspective of it. I didn't see his perspective of it. And I held it against him. And I'll be very specific. There was a conversation that I had with my dad about magazines that were in our house as a youngster that I saw that no child my age should ever see. Mm-hmm. And dad and I had a conversation about that. I went to him with compassion about that one day and had sort of taken my thoughts captive to Christ's obedience, recognized that, you know, that that helped me develop, was a, an accomplice in my life of developing bad habits. Yeah. 
And that to break that habit, I needed to go to where I learned that habit and name it and say it out loud. And I said to my dad, Dad, I want you to know that I saw this stuff and it confused the heck out of me. Mm. Well, Jimmy, it was this and it was that. And it was, I was like, Dad, I understand you had your reasons, whatever so they were. defensiveness that came out. The, the point isn't that. The mm-hmm. point is, it, here's how it affected me. Is that how you wanted it to affect me? No, Jimmy, of course not. Well, now I got my kids coming around, mm-hmm. and I'd like to deal with this, and I'd like them not to see that stuff. Coming that around I saw. your house, yeah, coming, coming around, around their house, yeah, yeah. grandpa's house. And so I'd like them not to see this anymore. He was remorseful. He was sad. Mm-hmm. He felt bad that I had interpreted it that way. I, I don't know what he ever did with that in his own life, but I know that I came to a place where I understood my dad. Mm-hmm. And I wanted him to understand me, and I forgave him that that happened, but I set a boundary that that can't happen anymore, or we can't come around. And he honored that, not bitterly or resentfully, but, oh, that hurts the kids, and I never knew it. And he didn't know how it impacted you And he never knew. He just assumed that pictures of pretty ladies were a normal thing. That's how he'd grown up, so why not? Mm -hmm. And that's how he would have framed it. Yep. R-rated magazines were in-house. I talked to dad about it. It was it was an honoring, healthy, constructive conversation. And it was really a conversation that was also aided by the therapist's question to me about what does grace look like with your dad when you address things and when you think about things and when you hold your opinion about your dad. There's no right or one way to think about this. All our relationships with parents are complicated, Mm -hmm. but what does grace look like in your unique circumstance with your parent was a question that I worked on answering. And for me, the answer became going in the spirit of grace to talk about these things and to invite the Lord to give me his love for my dad Mm -hmm. uh, was an important part of that and give me the ability to hold off my resentments and my bitterness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you have that posture Again, you don't have any control over how he would respond to any of those things. Right. But there is a posture and there's work that's happened before you got to that place that helps to maybe reposition how you view him and then even what you need from him. Yep. Right? So that's an important aspect. That was it. And to recognize that if there was stuff that I needed from him that he couldn't give to me, that I could be okay. Yeah. And I mean, in a strange sort of a way, this is where the Connected Families Framework starts to work up the generations instead of down the generation. Mm -hmm. And for me to be able to be safe with that and to communicate the message you're loved no matter what and to find what he was good at and capable of doing and call it out and name it and and be impressed by it and to help him know with boundaries that you're responsible. If you're going to keep acting in certain ways, then that's what that's going to mean in our relationship. Yeah, it's such a good picture. Right. And I think recognizing what we need versus what our parents can actually give to us. Mm -hmm. There's just kind of that acceptance piece that we walk into and go, I don't think that this parent could ever give me this, which then moves me back into my relationship with my Heavenly Father. Yeah. And going, I can't get from my parents what they can't give me. Yeah. And this is where the body of Christ, I think, is just so important for all of us. And I had a conversation with a friend, a good friend, about this issue, my relationship with my dad and his relationship with. With his dad and his situation was very different in that his dad never came to a place of reconnecting with his son and my friend peter said what i had to learn was that the body of christ provides the surrogates we need when the original design fails Mm-hmm. And so a commitment to finding the older men in his life was a huge part of his healing from some of the same sorts of things that I went through with my dad because he couldn't go to his dad. His dad was not receptive, didn't receive, and the surrogates stepped it up for well, him. Jim, this has been just a, a 
<laughs> a powerful time, and I just really appreciate you on behalf of all the dads that you would share with mm. us in such a tender place and such a tender moment, your path and your journey, and to be able to come to a place at the end of your dad's life to be able to say, hey, uh, we've kind of got it laid out on the table, yeah. and it's not perfect, but it's an honor to sit here in this room with you and hear your story. And God was so good to us mm-hmm. in this process, but it was hard work and it was painful, especially early on. But God is faithful and God is good all the time, just mm-hmm. like the little saying we learn at camp goes. I'm so grateful that dad was receptive, but I know that had he not been receptive, God still is good and God still has the fullness of his love for me through the body of Christ. And so I hope what I've shared is encouraging to others. I know it's uniquely my journey, but that there are commonalities and we'd love to hear from people who have issues and start walking through this with you. If if this is something you might want to email us at info at connectedfamilies.org and just let us know that you heard this and valued it perhaps, or if you have got questions. So next episode, we're going to turn the corner (laughs) and uh, really talk about building faith in our homes and how do we get more intentional about that in a way that, again, our kids read our intentions well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a powerful conversation Jim and Chad have had today. If you have questions or comments, please go to our website, connectedfamilies.org, where you're going to get more information and be able to connect with us. We sure hope you've enjoyed these podcasts. If so, please rate and review so others can find us more easily. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. All of the information about the discipline that connects with your child's heart online course is found through a link in our show notes. Register today. We look forward to next time when Jim and Chad discuss what it means to lead our kids to Jesus. And it may not be exactly what you think. We hope you can join us. 